In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Dad DeLorean podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and we're really glad to have you back here. If you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. Actually, there's several different ways you can do that. Let's be honest. I've got all the ways that I can think of. So if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us either through Instagram at the Dad DeLorean podcast. You can reach out on our website, thedaddelorean.net, via email at the dad DeLorean podcast at gmail.com as well as on our website there is the option to go ahead and select a voice message you can actually send a voice message through the website there is an option to do that you can also if you want to record a voice message in your voice memo app and then send that to us you can do that as well, and if we get that, we'll definitely share that on the air for you. If you get the chance to, folks, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, we're five episodes into this, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to go ahead and provide a review and just kind of, you know, at least give us some stars. If not just that, absolutely, we'd love you written feedback on it. It helps us decide how we're going to go forward with the show, what's important to you, and as well, it helps us become visible to other people on your different podcast sites. So it, wherever you're listening, if you get the chance to throw a review out, we would greatly appreciate it. I do really enjoy the fact that we get to do this. So this week, I want to talk about something that kind of came to my head just in a combination of me being a parent and kind of having one of those moments to myself, but also something that popped up while I was watching the episode six of The Mandalorian season two. And it was one of those things I was rewatching it the other night, right before watching episode seven. And as I was watching it, there was a moment that struck me there where it's right at the beginning of the episode. They're in the ship, and Mando has the moment where he kind of is saying the child's name and giggling every time that he turns and looks at him. And you can tell there's a kind of a resignation in his voice that, you know, he knows he needs to give up this child to go to the Jedi because that's where he came from, and they can train him to be a Jedi and use the Force powers. And Mando says something to the fact that, I can't train you, you're too powerful. And... For me, something about that moment spoke to me in that he was feeling a bit of inadequacy as a parent. And so that's something that I think we all can relate to. There's a lot of, if you're going through and watching The Mandalorian, there is a whole bunch of stuff that you can really kind of trace back to parenting. 
and kind of put yourself there and go, yeah, I can feel like that sometimes. And for me, I think it's just that feeling of inadequacy as a parent. And realistically, guys, that's not a difficult thing to feel in this day and age, because when you look on social media and see what all your friends are doing and that at that point, you're placing a lot of burden on yourself to do everything perfectly and then not allow an increase for yourself. Can I be honest with you for a second, guys? We're all imperfect people. And I think that's something that we need to always kind of keep in the back of our minds as parents is we're not going to be the shining example of perfection that we think that we need to be in order to be a parent. Just because one person that you know read 30 books on parenting before even having a child, and you might have finished one, and let's be honest, it was an audiobook, and you were kind of tuning it out while screaming at a guy that cut you off on the way to work. It doesn't mean that you're not trying, just because you haven't gone to that point. Just because one parent very strictly limits their kid to a total of three hours of television per week and you're popping your kid in front of Disney Plus binges just to try to get some work done, that doesn't mean you're a failure. Just because all of your friends are doing things with Elf on the Shelf, which seems psychotic to some of us, and when I say some of us, I'm really meaning me. I don't like Elf on a Shelf. I Basically, to me, the theme of Elf on the Shelf is do good because somebody's always watching you. And not because doing good is the right thing to do. And you know, there are people who love Elf on the Shelf. I'm not against people who are against, who are on Elf on the Shelf. It's just not something I want to do and not something that I think is worth the effort. The thing that my wife just recently started with us with the giving manger and encouraging him to be kind and giving during this time of year versus be good so that Santa doesn't take away all of your presents. That's kind of where my brain is at on it. So I think I should teach my kid to be kind and not necessarily to only do right because you're being watched. Your kid needs you to be there for them, whether or not you need really feel adequate about it. And the, the fact of the matter is, you can train your kid, sometimes without meaning to. We can't do the do as I say, not as I do. Like, I joke myself about the fact that I did hear Alton one day say, crap. And, I mean, that's the strongest word you ever get out of me. Like, and I'm not saying that, that I'm perfect. I actually can tell you that I have used some of the more colorful language in my time. It was much, when I was much younger, but it was something where I spent enough time in online video game chat rooms that I could cuss up a storm with the best of them if I needed to. Not proud of it. That is just what it is. But when he, I heard Alton say crap, I'm like, am I saying this too often? And it, what kind of example am I setting for him? And, you know, to a lot of people, you're probably sitting at home going, your kid, you're wondering about yourself as a parent because your kid said crap. Yeah, a little bit. Not going to lie. Like, I have my moments where I'm like, am I doing enough for this kid? Kids are always learning. They are sponges. They are learning from everything that they see you do, see, hear you say, things like that. And so... There are times that I do feel like maybe I am inadequate as a parent. And I think that's a normal thing to feel. I think it's easy, particularly right now where you're in a situation where a lot of people are isolated because you can't go anywhere, your state's locked down, things like that. And so you don't get interaction time with others. And so it's really easy to feel like you are isolated and that you might be the only one messing this up when in fact there's probably other people doing it. And just because all you're getting is other people's social media perfection doesn't mean that they're not having moments where they're losing their temper or they're doing things where they're probably regretting it. They might be feeling the same as you, even though they're putting on a great facade. Some people are just great actors. There are times where, you know, like for instance, I know people who do very intensive 
I'm going to teach my child to read stuff. And we've not done that. At least I haven't done that. My wife may have done a little bit better at that because my wife being a teacher is a little bit better on the educational stuff. I'm one of those. I will read them stories and, you know, that's that. But I don't maybe necessarily take the time to try to teach them how to read what I'm reading to them. And the other night I actually was reading the Dr. Seuss book Hop on Pop to Alton. And after I got done reading it, Amanda actually took over and went ahead and brought it back with him and actually had him go through. And he was able to read stuff like he could put together the letters and sound out the word and read it. And it wasn't like you could tell it wasn't something where he just memorized the book because we don't read it that often. But he could look at those words and they were short enough words that he could look at it and he could put them together and say them. So it was Really kind of an eye-opening thing. But all of this just to say, if you feel inadequate as a parent, you're not alone. I think we're all going through it. I think it's easy to feel that right now in this stage of isolation that we are currently in. Not getting to spend a whole lot of time with others, that sort of thing, I think can really drive it. But the bottom line, if you're out there and you need to hear this, you're doing great. You're doing the best you can. Hang in there. We'll make it through all of this. Your kids will be fine. Don't spend all of your time thinking, what if I'm putting my kid in therapy? Because that's just not a healthy attitude to have. So it's a little shorter opening this morning than normal, but I just wanted to get that out there. And uh, yeah, we're going to go to break now. Hope you're doing well. Again, if you want to reach out to us, you know where to find us on Instagram at the Dad DeLorean Podcast, via email, the Dad DeLorean Podcast at gmail.com, or website, thedaddelorean.net. There's a contact us area there you can reach out through that we will be right back in business you rarely hear the expression for life you make a purchase for a product for a service and and there's a there's a time frame there well that's not the case with awaken 180 weight loss Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. All right, and we are back. So as with our normal setup, this is going to be where we talk about what we watched this week. We did get a little bit more Clone Wars in this week than we did the last couple weeks, just because, again, like I said, Alton has been very engrossed with his Lego advent calendar, which he's been super excited about. He got a Porg the other day, and that was something that was very exciting for him. So this week we watched The Gathering story arc. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that particular story arc, I believe it's season five that we are currently on. And that's an arc of episodes where Ahsoka takes them on a training mission to Ilum to get their kyber crystals for their lightsabers and to then build their lightsabers. And in doing that, they wind up getting captured 
briefly by Hondo and Haka's crew. Hondo is one of those characters you watch and he just goes back and forth and it's part of his piratey nature. You kind of feel he's a little bit Jack Sparrow-ish and he's wonderfully voiced by Jim Cummings of Tigger fame. But regardless, the thing that always strikes me with Hondo is he can go from one side to the other very quickly and very fluidly and that's, I think, just part of being a pirate. But the episode arc winds up ending up with Ahsoka being taken by Hondo and then the younglings banding together and posing as a group of circus performers to rescue her. It was a really fun little arc and the kids in it were just hilarious, like doing Jedi things and figuring things out and kind of you see there's the kid who always has to be done first, who then winds up getting what he thought was a kyber crystal, but was in fact just a chunk of ice because Ilum is an ice planet and there's ice everywhere. And just learning that they had to be able to work together to be able to overcome some of those challenges. So really fun little arc of episodes there and just really enjoyed that. We also actually watched the first two of the Star Wars episodes 7, 8, and 9. So 7 and 8. And that was interesting because Alton's familiar with the storyline, at least through The Force Awakens, because that was something covered in Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. So he got to see a little bit of that going into... The Last Jedi, he didn't really have any idea what he was getting into. I can tell you he currently loves it more than he loved Episode 7. I think he got a little bit bored on Episode 7 a couple of times. But overall, it was a fun thing. He really enjoys the scenes where they're flying things or where there's walkers involved. Like the scene on the planet Crate where there are the ATM6s and the AT. ATs, I think, were still in there as well. I think it was kind of a mixture of the two. Like, he got super excited at seeing those, as well as the part where BB 8 steals the ATST. Those were all kind of fun things for him. It's interesting because, like, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit when we talk about this week's episode of The Mandalorian, but there was something that kind of stood out at me on The Last Jedi that. I don't think I was as clear on before the Mandalorian came out that now I'm kind of like, oh, okay. And that was the kind of attitude of DJ, the uh, hacker that helps Finn and Rose get on the Imperial ship and then gets to the point where he basically turns them all over for a reward to help snuff out the resistance. And that was the general attitude that basically the bad guys and the good guys as you the viewer at home view them are basically the same thing like that was something to me that stuck out because i hadn't given it as much thought because every time you come into this universe it's more on the level of you have the empire and they're bad and the resistance or the rebels and they're good fighting against the bad but you don't really get the viewpoint of the people who are on the ground who are stuck in the middle of the war who are thinking about everything that's going on. And DJ sums it up as you blow them up, they blow you up tomorrow kind of thing. And his just very general nonchalant attitude about it, like, yeah, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't really care. But 
We're going to talk about that a little bit more during episode seven of The Mandalorian. One thing that I'm going to say, as always, is it's going to be a spoiler heavy conversation. If you've not seen the episodes yet, stop, go back. I don't want to ruin anything for you on it. But we're going to come back to that in just a second here. So I'm going to give you until three, two, one. You've been warned. I'm breaking into spoiler territory. So with season two, episode seven, the title of the episode is The Believer. And what's interesting with this episode, for those of you who are just showing up for Baby Yoda, I'm just going to spoil it for you and say, I'm sorry, you're not going to see any Baby Yoda this episode. The episode is very much a character development arc, and it's specifically for Mando as well as Mayfeld. And Mayfeld, if you don't remember him, last season, I believe it was episode six, where they did the prison break. Mayfeld was the Imperial sharpshooter turned mercenary who was leading the crew that Mando was working with. And he kind of came off as a bit of a jerk. And let's be honest, he really was a bit of a jerk. So he was prepared to kill off the Republic officer and all of that. End of the episode, he winds up stuck in the prison cell with his accomplices and Mando winds up blowing up his boss's base. Well, in this episode, you see more of a broken Mayfeld who's really had time to reflect on his past and kind of who's resigned himself to disassembling scrap for the rest of his natural life. As Kara pointed out in the last episode, he's sentenced to 50 years uh, on the scrap fields, basically. So he winds up being remanded to Cara Dune's custody so that she can go ahead and take him. He gets relieved when he sees Boba Fett and realizes that's not Mando. And uh, by the way, Boba Fett, where did you get that matte Krylon? Because, bro, that thing looks sweet. Little, little, just touch up on the armor. Like, it's looked nicer than the last time you saw it in Return of the Jedi. I mean, come on now. Any case, so basically he's relieved when he sees it's a Mandalorian, but not Mando. And then, oh, by the way, here's Mando too. So... It was definitely one of those moments where he's like, oh, geez, not you. It was interesting to me that Mayfeld, after being like, told that he was going to have to help them get to Gideon, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And then he cha- has a change of heart as soon as he hears that the little green guy is in trouble. And I think that's just a testament to the power of Baby Yoda, isn't it? Like, even people who aren't necessarily that invested in his well-being are like, the little guy's in trouble? Oh, no. I gotta help him. So... The power of Baby Yoda compels you, I think, is the uh, wording that we're looking for here. Any case, he really winds up coming a long way in this episode. And he talks about, and Donovan over at Once Upon a Workbench, he and I had a conversation, and he kind of brings it up, where they have a conversation, and you kind of realize that he's kind of of the opinion that the bad guys and the good guys, they're basically the same. Like, you, again, we're talking back to... The Last Jedi, where they're talking about that as well, where from the higher up point of view, whether it's the Empire or the Rebellion or the Resistance, each side believes that they're justified and that they are actually doing the right thing. And I mean, it comes through clearer in some of the books as well for the Empire. I'm currently reading Aftermath Life Debt begrudgingly because to be completely honest with you in the book Aftermath I swore I was never going to pick up the rest of that series because I absolutely hated 
Chuck Wendig's use of present tense for the entire book. It was possibly the most jarring thing I have ever read. But they introduced Cobb Vanth in the Aftermath trilogy, which then made me wonder, is there more little seedling pot points that they've dropped into these books that I need to be aware of? And so I went ahead and shelled out for the digital copy and have been reading that and gritting my teeth to get through it. Because, again, the entire book in present tense, why would you do that? I just can't even begin to describe the pain that it causes me. But regardless, you get a, a view of the Imperials who believe that they're justified and that they are going to basically bring control back to the galaxy. The rebels have brought freedom to the galaxy. But then you get the feeling that the people on the ground who are really experiencing the overarching government here are of differing opinions of it and may not necessarily see that big of a difference between the two. I mean, Mayfeld pretty much comes out and specifically says it at one point that they're basically the same, you know, whichever way you're going, it, it doesn't really make a difference. They're all the same to me. And it's just interesting because you don't get a lot of that man on the ground kind of discussion from the movies. It's always, well, we're right, they're wrong. I mean, come on, they named this thing the Death Star. I mean, how much more obviously evil can you be? So, that all being said, like, there's a lot more gray in the universe of Star Wars. And really, I think just in general, there's a lot more gray in the world than I think a lot of us are prepared to deal with. And so them basically viewing the Empire and the Rebellion as two sides of the same coin, it's a very interesting kind of way to look at things from the story angle. And I think that was something that really, I mean, it struck me, it struck Donovan when he and I were talking about it as well. So, yeah. And just the thing with Mando, as far as him really coming along as a character, I mean, you think about back from the very first episode, he never takes the mask off. And I mean, it's at the point he could settle down on S Sorgan and live with that widow. And he almost has a brief moment where you can see that he's thinking about it, but he winds up not doing it and taking the child elsewhere because they're still tracking him and the band of hunters are finding him to when he was first encountering other Mandalorians in boat Catan and the night owls and saying there's only one way and being appalled that these other Mandalorians are taking off their helmets. And, and Boba Fett is the same way. You see him without his helmet. Mando is really the only one who's really adhering to this. This is the way we can't take our helmets off and this is how it's going to be. And he's at a point where he is forced to take his helmet off and unmask himself in front of other human beings. This time it's not just a droid. It is other human beings in order to be able to proceed with his mission. And what's interesting is Mayfeld even understands how big of a deal that is because he's worked with Mando before and he remembers how much of that helmet was a big deal to him. So when he takes the helmet off in order to be able to advance things and then sees that Mando is fumbling and needs help, he winds up coming over and helping him. And at the end of this whole section, he goes, I didn't see anything. You're good kind of thing. It was a really fascinating thing because he had to choose between am I going to complete this mission or is all hope completely lost? And I think 
spending time around Mandalorians who don't always wear their helmets may have made him a little bit more flexible in it and less rigid on that particular piece. The episode culminates with basically them having to infiltrate this base and get the info from a terminal in the officer's lounge for where Moff Gideon's ship is. My question, and I think this is probably the weakest plot point in there, is what on earth does the face scan that he had to do do? Because it's clearly not checking his face against the Imperial database to make sure that he's got the appropriate security clearance to actually open the file that gives him the information that he needs. So, and I don't know if it's something where maybe that the thing that he inserted for the data stick that's getting it is also some kind of spike that basically allows him to bypass it just by showing his face. But it just seemed weird to me. Like, if you're an Imperial computer, it's like, I need you to provide me with your face so that I can verify that you can get this information. Hello, random stranger. Here is all of that classified information you have requested on the location of Moff Gideon's ship. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's one of those things where it's just there to advance the plot and to basically force Mando in some character growth a little bit. In terms of how the episode went, like, I wouldn't say it was my favorite episode. I think it was solid for character development. You're missing out on Baby Yoda, which I think that's the first episode the entire series that we've not seen Baby Yoda. So that's kind of a big deal. On top of that, he closes the episode where he puts a message out to Moff Gideon. And he basically mirrors Moff Gideon's speech from the end of episode 7 of last season, where he says, You have something that belongs to me. It means more to me than you will know. You think you know what you have, but you don't. You know, that whole speech that Gideon gives, he basically recites it almost word for word back to Gideon to end the episode. And so that sets it up for, you know that there's going to be that confrontation. How is it going to play out? Obviously, one of the things that I discussed, and then I discussed with Donovan as well, was the fairly obvious setup of doing... The Magnificent Seven as a bit of a inspiration, or The Seven Samurai was the original inspiration for The Magnificent Seven. But regardless, so you think about it, it's pretty easy to do the math here. Because you have Mando himself, you have Boba Fett, you have Cara Dune, you have Fennec Shand, you have Bo-Katan, plus her two Night Owl companions. So that's a total of seven that you have that you can bring to the fight. The thing that I hadn't given any thought to that Donovan made me go, oh, is in The Magnificent Seven, all but one of them die. And I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, they didn't actually announce at the Disney investor thing this week that there was going to be a third season of The Mandalorian. Oh, no. I'm probably overthinking it. I don't know if that's how they're going to go, but they've put a few nods in there part of it just kurosawa nods like the ahsoka tano episode is very heavily kurosawa inspired and then also in the magnificent sevens a little bit like i didn't think about it at the time but the scene where mando accidentally shoots the upper transport and knocks it into the lower transport and then when mando compliments him on the shot he goes i was aiming for the other one that was basically a riff on the Magnificent Seven scene where one of the guys shoots, a, you know, one of the bad guys, 
And when he's complimented on the shot, says, I was aiming for the horse. Like, so they've made it pretty obvious that it's going to be kind of a Magnificent Seven-style showdown. I don't know if they kill off everybody. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. We'll see what happens next week. All right, we're going to take another quick break here, and then we're going to touch on what we've enjoyed this last week. And we've got a couple different people who reached out on this one, so I'm kind of excited to be able to share on that. So, any case, uh, we will be right back. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. All right, and we are back. So what we've enjoyed this week, I want to have a couple different people who have reached out to me on the podcast that are just have had different thoughts that they wanted to share. Garrett, my friend from Avoine Decor, I'm sure I've actually mispronounced this, and Garrett, I apologize. I've never actually heard your handle said out loud, but it's Garrett Flynn is his name, and he loved episode six. But like Donovan, what was with the jetpack? And I think we're all asking that question. Why do you take the jetpack off and then just leave it there? And come on, we know from back on episode two, you can recall that from your wrist. Wouldn't it be easier to run back up and save Baby Yoda if you, I don't know, wore the jetpack? Because it was to advance the plot. I get it. Anyway, so that was kind of what he loved about last week. For my friend Dave, Dave Sherrill, who also runs the it's freckled lion woodshop i believe and he does laser engraving really cool stuff you should check it out he reached out and said what about grogu going all up you know upset jedi on those stormtroopers dark side much yeah yeah the little dude is definitely exhibiting a little bit of dark side and i think part of it's just you think about it he's been through a lot between the end of the clone wars and going into hiding and as ahsoka said a lot of his stuff has become clouded but then on top of that, he's been rolling around the bounty hunting circuit with Mando, and obviously he's witnessed a little bit of violence. So I think he has a little bit of a proclivity towards it when he needs to, and I think it's just one of the things that he just wears out quickly. So, yeah. Oh. And then also, saddest moment for Dave was the Razor Crest. I mean, let's be honest, guys. I think all of us had a moment of just silence after that episode for the razor crest because that ship that beautiful ship that ship that if i can get that lego set i would love to build but i cannot justify the expense to myself much less my wife oh that beautiful ship gone obliterated and nothing left but that beskar spear 
Yeah, that was a really sad. Sorry, guys, I'm wiping the tears out of my eyes just thinking about it. But that is that is what I heard from you guys this week. For me personally, it's been Star Wars Squadrons again. And I know I had this before, but it is something that I was super excited because they weren't originally going to do any new content for this. This was just going to be a one and done. Here's your game and have fun with it. Like EA was playing it very safe. They didn't do any microtransactions like they did with Battlefront 2 but they're basically not providing any sort of update for it. Well, then they'd had such a great response to it because honestly, it's a very solid game. They wound up going and releasing a new map, I believe a couple different new species. But then the thing that got me is they actually added a ship for each side. So the Imperials wound up getting the, the Tide Defender actually wound up being the ship that they brought in for the Imperial side of things. And it's, not a bad little ship. It's got shields on it. It's definitely a lot more guns, but it's one of those things that's kind of become my ship of choice when I have to play as the Imperials, with the exception of when I need to bomb something, in which case I just swing back to the TIE Bomber. But for the Rebels, though, oh, the B-Wing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is officially my new favorite ship. It is not the fastest ship in the fleet, which I'm completely okay with, but it does have, in addition to laser blasters, it also has ion cannons, and they are all linked together. Whatever weapon you select, you are going to be sending both laser and ion shots with. It is glorious. So... That being said, the other thing that is fun with the B-Wing is the gyro cockpit. What does this mean? Well, it means a couple different things. One, instead of going to the default, you've got your wing straight down below you, you can bring it off to the left, you can bring it off to the right, you can put it upside down if you want. Whatever way you are most comfortable flying your B-Wing, you can do it. You can also roll the wings around the cockpit while you're shooting and basically make this really fun little circle of fire with it. It is my new favorite ship in the entire game. Like, I've been having so much fun playing with it. it. Like I said, it's not the fastest. It does require some support against faster fighters. But I have been able to light up more enemy ships with that thing because of how heavily armed it is. The ion cannons disabling, following up with blazers to destroy. Like, it's incredible. It's different because in the old games... You could switch between ion cannons or lasers at will and then swap around and whatnot, or you could link them all together. Whereas this, it's all linked together all the time. It just changes depending on which component you're using for your blaster as far as what kind of fire you're getting out of it. So much fun. Really enjoy it. The other thing that I will say, though, is we need to have a moment of silence because my rankings are gone. So what happened this weekend? I have been in the process of switching over a lot of my gamer profiles, and I'm actually putting them all under the Dead DeLorean podcast at gmail.com email, because ultimately I'm thinking if I ever wanted to do any sort of streaming on Twitch or anything like that, I don't think that's something that I've got in the cards at this point, but if I ever did decide to go that route, it would be nice to have all of those accounts under one email. So my Steam profile is now under that email. My EA profile is under that email. And my Xbox Live is still Carpool Lane. Find me if you don't have me on there already. And that 
that's probably not going to change. I don't feel like I want to change that username because that is something that I've identified with for so long. But what I found out when I went to change everything over, for whatever reason, my EA profile was showing a Laney2k1, which was not the name of my account anymore. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And so I wound up reaching out to EA support and going, hey, this is what it's saying my account is, but for whatever reason, that's not what it is. I just changed it to this. And they go, well, what's the user ID? I gave them my carpool lane as my username, and they said, well, we show that's linked to another account. I'm like, another account? What? And I'm like, what? other account they're like well said there's an email address associated with it and do you know any of your other emails i said well the only other one i can think of is laney2k1 at yahoo which i don't really use anymore they're like yeah we've got an account with that i'm like huh i don't remember having an account with that i said well can you transfer the link from the one account to the other account they said well but on this account we've got another account linked to that i'm like Okay, wait a minute. What? So Carpool Lane was actually logged into the username Norwar Machine, which Norwegian War Machine used to be my username on one of the things. It got changed years ago. I've not used that one in ages. My Xbox Live has been Carpool Lane for at least as long as I've been married. So the Norwegian War Machine is no more. I've not signed into that account. I didn't even know I still had that account. And so I had a moment of, um, yeah, no, that shouldn't be linked to that. Can we fix this? Well, bottom line, they give you a warning about basically certain things not carrying over. And like they use the example of FIFA, which I'm like, I'm not playing FIFA. I don't care. Well, what they might have been able to do a little bit better is explain to me that that would also include all of my ranking progress. And that night before I signed off, I was at level 25 as a pilot under squadrons. I had one more achievement to go before I would unlock a helmet. I was super excited about that. I'm like, just one more. Great. I unlocked a bunch of different paint jobs and components and all of that stuff. And I signed back in and signed in as Carpool Lane. And you know what? It's all gone. All of it. Wiped out like the planet Alderaan. There was none of it. And I'm like... You know, when you're making that explanation, it might have been more beneficial, specifically since I'd mentioned Star Wars Squadrons as the issue that I was calling about, to say, hey, by the way, all of this stuff that you earned under this account, it's not going to transfer over to the other account. Are you still sure you want to do this? I still wanted to do it, but I think I would have felt a little less jarred about it if they had told me specific to the game I was asking them about ahead of time. So... Regardless, I'm going to have to go level my way back up through it all again. It is what it is. So, any case, that is our show for today. Again, if you want to reach out to us, you know where to find us on the interweb at thedaddelorean.net. You can email us at thedaddeloreanpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at thedaddeloreanpodcast. And... All of the other ways that we've talked about over the course of this episode, you know where to find us. Hope you have a great night. Remember, parenting is a complicated profession. 
Be safe out there. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.